The New York Rangers are so, so bad in the shift that follows a goal. We talk more about this serious Achilles heel for this team, as well as some mid-game line juggling from Peter Laviolette that leads to mixed results. And we also get into Capo Caco's impending return. All this and more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 979 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started and we are of course part of the locked on podcast network your team every day so i gotta kick off today's episode by maybe apologizing to you guys a little bit because i'm about to break a promise that i made not too long ago i've been talking a lot about the rangers and their inability to be at the top of their game on the shift that follows a goal but as we saw in this game last night it really is a continuous problem it's one thing that if it happened once you know maybe i would have let it go if it just happened once last night It happened like basically three times last night where the Rangers got burned in the shift or shortly, very shortly after on the shift that follows a goal. So uh, we're getting to that and break that down. I also want to talk a little bit about about Capo Caco's impending return and how he might uh, help this Ranger team and what his role might be when he gets back into the lineup. I was kind of thinking that they might ease him back in, but now I'm thinking they might just throw him right back into the deep end. We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, as well. And uh, also going to go ahead and talk a little bit about some other highlights from this game. Take a look at the Ranger impending uh, schedule here and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. But let's go ahead and once again, talk about the Rangers issues in the shift that follows the goal, because it was like clockwork in this game. You know, the Rangers playing a good team, the Canucks looking for a bounce back win. I want to say the Rangers coming into this one were like nine and one in games that follow a loss, or it might even be 10 and one now coming into this game. Um, obviously now it's two losses, but it's only happened twice all season where they've suffered back-to-back losses, including, uh, these most recent two games. But the one in the one problem that keeps happening is the one I'm about to talk about. And you know, the Rangers, they get up to a one, nothing lead and Vincent Trocek scores on a power play. And you're thinking like, okay, here we go. Rangers are playing a good team in the Canucks, but they're a good team themselves. They're going to bounce back and do what they do in the game that follows the loss. Uh, they've obviously responded to adversity far more often than not this season, but again, like clockwork, uh, the Canucks score to tie the game at one to one. You have Brock Besser shooting the puck wide. Uh, Truba had the puck behind the net, worked it around. Canucks eventually got it back. They throw it back behind the net to Pedersen, and he passes in front to JT Miller. And speaking of clockwork, yeah, there you go. A uh, former New York Ranger hurting his old team. But Miller uh, scores, you know, quick pass, quick shot. The Canucks do everything very fast. It's a very fast, very speedy team. And this is, in fact, uh, one of the only times this season where I can remember the Rangers uh, really looking like they were having some serious problems keeping up with the opposition's speed. 
Um, I haven't really seen that be too much of an issue for the Rangers, even though the Rangers aren't really known as a team of speed demons. I don't think that they've really been overwhelmed by their opponent's speed. They kind of were in this game. But again, the bigger point here, this is only 53 seconds after Vincent Trocek made the score one nothing in favor of the Rangers. The Rangers just give it right back, and they do it to you know a really good team in the Canucks. And you know a, a lot of this game kind of reminded me of the Canadians game. And at first, you might not really see that because you know, the game unfolded differently. Rangers down 3 nothing against Montreal, came back and tied it, lost in the shootout. Uh, this game, they were kind of playing from behind for pretty much the whole night other than the one nothing lead. But it's one of those things where the Rangers kept making mistakes and kept shooting themselves in the foot in both of these games. And I think you see the difference as far as how the game unfolded based on the quality of opponent. You know, Montreal, I wouldn't really call them a bad team, but certainly not a good team at this point. Vancouver, I mean, they're showing themselves to be an elite team. They look like they're for real. And some of these goals I'm going to talk about, we're going to see some of the mistakes uh, that the Rangers made. But uh, not too long after this, in fact, only 2-14 after the Canucks tied it, uh, they take the lead 2-1, to one, and they were on top for good at this point. Basically, they just scored it in transition, and this goes back to what I talked about a second ago, the Rangers having issues keeping up with the speed of the Vancouver Canucks. But you've got uh, Hughes, you know, he circles back in the neutral zone. Uh, he's got the puck you know, just behind the, the red line there. Uh, the Canucks eventually get the blue line. There was a little bit of a bad break here because I, I thought Braden Schneider made a good play, basically put his guy into the boards, the puck carrier. Unfortunately, when he knocked him off the puck, the puck just so happened to go right to uh, another Canuck. It was Amon. Uh, he picked it up kept going, passed to his right to Hoglander and um, tip in goal for him. And Gustafson, for some reason on this play, just completely like abandoned his post. Um, you know, I, I could see maybe where he had already noticed that Braden Schneider had kind of taken himself out of the play when he took the Canuck out of the play. Again, Schneider put his guy into the boards, but Braden Schneider basically chased the puck here. And there was really no reason for that because Amon, before he passed it, you know, he was heading around the boards, you know, into the corner there. You know, Gustafson doesn't really need to chase him here. He can, I mean, it's not ideal that he's by himself there, but just maintain your defensive position. He's not going to score from where he was on the ice, but instead Gustafson went after the puck and um, left this guy open in front. And Lafreniere was a little bit slow uh, getting there on the back check as well. I don't think he thought that uh, Gustafson was going to, you know, again, abandon his post the way that he did. But again, just too many mistakes here. This goal just did not need to happen. And again, just 2-14 after the goal before this was scored. So, that's your first instance right there of the Rangers giving up goals uh, in the shift that follows a goal. The first one was literally the next shift, um, once the one where the Canucks tied it after the Rangers were up one nothing. The second one, it was 2-14 over the last goal. Even if we give them a little bit of a break on that one and say it's not really the next shift and, you know, two-plus minutes had gone by, fine. You know what? We won't even count that one. There was another instance later in this game, and this— could not have happened at a worse time because the Rangers had cut the Canucks lead despite their mistakes and despite being down by two goals uh, at the first intermission. The Rangers had cut the Canucks lead down to three to two at this point. Still a lot of game to go. You figure they can make a run at it. And instead, you've got Pedersen scoring to make it 4-2 in favor of the Canucks. A couple of nice passes. Uh, Truba took his guy out of the play. Um, but then, you know, Miller went down to block uh, what it was either going to be a shot or a pass. I'm not really sure what was going to happen there. But Pedersen just waited for Miller to basically slide by, uh, had to take the puck behind the goal line, pulled it in front and tucked it into the net for two Canucks. I mean, this one, they could have defended a little better. You do have to tip your cap a little bit. Great individual effort uh, by Pedersen there. But then once again, like clockwork on the next shift, uh, Nick Bonino, just a 
terrible cross ice pass here. Got intercepted in the neutral zone. I don't really know what Bonino was doing. I mean, I, I can tell you who he was passing to. He did have a teammate on the other side of the ice, but he wasn't open. And even if he was, uh, Bonino put way too much touch on this pass. You know, if he's really going to try to force this pass, he's got to zip it over there, put a little more velocity on it than he did. Maybe it's a situation where he went to pass and then tried to stop himself, and by then it was too late. So you just get this weak little pass across the ice and um, gets intercepted by uh, the Canucks, and they go in. And I, I, I'm not probably saying this guy's name right. Hoglander, Hoglander, I'm, I'm trying to remember how they said it. I think Hoglander might be right. Um, but bottom line, he ends up going through the five hole. This is a save that Igor Shesterkin, I think, would probably tell you that he should have had. But five to two Canucks, and these last two goals, once again, they vaulted the Canucks lead from 3-2 all the way up to 5-2. They happen just a minute and 14 seconds apart. We're at the point where, at least for me, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you can't even enjoy your Ranger goal as much as you should be able to because now you get a sweat about what's going to happen on the next shift. I mean, I just, it's unfathomable how they just can't be better in these situations. And, you know, I got to wonder, like, what are the what are the Ranger goalies thinking in the shift that follows the goal? Now, maybe they don't even think about it. They don't even notice it. You know, on one hand, goalies, in a lot of ways, they're kind of uh, in their own little world anyway. It, it's such a demanding position physically and mentally that they're probably not even worrying about trends like that. But if I'm a Ranger goalie right now and somebody scores a goal, I'm thinking, oh, bleep, I better be ready because I'm probably going to have to do something ridiculous to prevent a goal within the next 30 or 45 seconds of this puck being dropped. It, and it... It's one of those things I feel like other than on this podcast, obviously, it's kind of flown under the radar among Ranger fans, even maybe among uh, Ranger media personalities and nothing against any of them. They all do a phenomenal job covering this team. Can't thank them enough for the job that they do. But I think last night was one of the first times where I heard Sam and Joe really call attention to this and really mention it and really kind of call the Rangers out for just not having their A game and giving up goals too often in the shift that follows the goal. This is the kind of thing, you know, a trend like this that you expect from a team near the bottom of the league. Not a team that has, I haven't looked at the NHL total standings today. Obviously, the Rangers are still in first in the Metro. They're near the top of the NHL standings in general. You don't expect something like this from a team like that. And I'm at the point with this whole topic, this whole storyline here. You know, I, I hadn't even planned this, but an idea that just kind of popped into my head. Let's go ahead and crowdsource uh, some of your guys' ideas and some of your thoughts on this situation. Because what I'd actually like to do if, you know, a lot of you guys, you'll send in questions for the mailbag, and that's awesome and everything. If anybody wants to weigh in on this, send an audio file to me. Keep it like, I don't know, maybe like a minute tops, I would say. Um, send me an audio file about your thoughts on this entire situation. If, if you just need to vent about it, you know, the Rangers giving up a goal in the shift that follows a goal, or you have some idea of what the Rangers can do um, to potentially keep this from happening? Or is there a certain line you'd like to see on the ice or a certain defense pairing you'd like to see on the ice in the shift that follows a goal? Lay it on me. Go ahead, record yourself, send it in. I can play the audio files. Uh, the next time this happens to the Rangers, the next time that they give up a goal on the shift that follows a goal, I'm just going to take the segment off. I'll just play audio from you guys. I want to hear your thoughts on the whole thing um, and just let me know what you're thinking. Um, you know, it's always fun to hear from everybody in general. It's always good to talk to other uh, Ranger fans and get some other perspectives. Um, but I, in addition to that, I feel like I've said everything I could possibly say about this situation. They just need to be better. And um, the next time it happens, and by the way, if you do want to do this, if you do want to send me an audio audio file, I would not wait too long. 
because as far as the Rangers giving up a goal in the shift that follows a goal, yeah, we're probably not going to have to wait too long for that to happen again. So what I'll do, send them in. I'll keep them you know, kind of handy. And the next time it happens, I'll just play these audio clips. If we get a couple of people that do that, I'd be happy to do that. And like I you know, play them on an episode and I'll basically just take the segment off and just hear what you guys have to say about it. Because it, it's I'm at my wits end with this. The Rangers are far too good of a team for this to just keep happening over and over and over and over. But that's how it's been. And it's something that obviously needs to be fixed going forward. We're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. I want to talk a little bit about the Rangers uh, juggling their lines in the second period, which initially worked. I think the timing of it was very good as well. We're going to talk about Brent Offman. Uh, basically, right before I hit record here, uh, it was announced that Brent Offman um, will be sent down or has been sent down to the Hartford Wolfpack. So obviously a very short stay with him, with the New York Rangers. Got some thoughts on all that stuff in just a second here. First, though, we would definitely like to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to brought to you, excuse me, by our very good friends, one of our favorite sponsors over at FanDuel. The NFL regular season has concluded, but there is still time to get in on all the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. Obviously, the NFL playoffs is going to be starting up this upcoming weekend. Six games on tap. Definitely looking forward to that. So I'm sure there's uh, some fun parlays. If you feel like you know who's going to win these playoff games and maybe some kind of a parlay would make some sense for you. Uh, but once again, visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so we're going to go ahead and keep everything rolling here. First, though, we definitely do want to let everybody know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, so to go ahead and keep everything rolling here, first of all, big shout out to the everydayers. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in to Locked On New York Rangers. And our next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to mention it today, but we're going to get into more detail about Brent Offen being sent down to the Wolfpack, why I think it's probably okay to do that, and um, you just kind of thoughts on how he showed himself for his first handful of games with the Rangers, and also on uh, Capo Caco hopefully being back in the lineup. But for right now, let's talk about some of this lineup juggling the Rangers did in the second period. This initially worked. I thought maybe uh, some of the best hockey that the Rangers played all night in this game was in the second period. They had a lot of jump to their game, a lot of intensity. They were creating a lot of good scoring opportunities. I get the feeling that they probably caught a little bit of an earful from Laviolette and the coaching staff uh, during the break there. And obviously Laviolette setting a message with the lineup changes or the line combination changes. And this is something that I like about Laviolette. It's the fact that for the most part, he has kept all the line combinations together. He doesn't make a move just for the sake of making a move. He has to see something. You know, I think the Kako Wheeler flip-flop made a lot of sense earlier in the season when both of them were scuffling. And I think in this game, kind of the mid-game adjustment to challenge these guys a little bit, get them rolling a little bit. I think it made sense here too. Um, with Gallant, you know, I I'm not going to, Bash Galan, I, I think he's uh, 
got enough of that from a lot of different other Ranger fans, but he was very trigger happy when it came to the line combinations. And there were times where it felt like guys were just kind of thrown together without any real rhyme or reason. Uh, in this instance here, he's trying to get the Rangers going a little bit. Uh, he didn't like what he saw in the first period. And I think this is what was his way of challenging them. And for a while, at least early in the second period, for most of the second period, it seemed to work pretty well. But as far as some of the different line combinations, you had Offman out there with Bonino and Brodzinski. Uh, you then had Cooley with Goodrow and VZ. Um, you had Lafreniere with Mika and Kreider. So Lafreniere getting a bit of a double shift, although I, I wouldn't even really call it a double shift because it felt like there were kind of just different line combinations taking the ice at different times here. I don't know that anybody other than Panarin was like truly getting double shifted. And I think this might've been Lafreniere's only shift with Mika and with Kreider. But I've always said, I, I do think that Lafreniere and Mika have some sneaky underrated chemistry together. The two of them just kind of have a feel for each other out there. We saw in the game against Montreal, uh, Mika almost set up Lafreniere for what would have been a game winner. It was a great pass. And uh, obviously, you know, it's overtime. It's three on three in that situation. It's a very different brand of hockey. But nevertheless, I, I do think the two of them have chemistry. That being said, uh, long-term, even short-term here, I'm leaving Lafreniere with Panarin. It it's been Lafreniere's best season so far by a mile. Uh, that line is the Rangers' best line in basically every game. I mean, there's a couple of exceptions here and there, but uh, for the most part, Lafreniere, Trocek, and Panarin, uh, that's been the Rangers' top line. And I, I know technically their list is the second line, but let's be real, that's been the Rangers' best line all season. So that was interesting to see Lafreniere get a little bit of a shot with Mika and Kreider. I uh, had Wheeler with Bonino and Goodrow then. Um, and then you had Lafreniere. He went back with Panarin and Trocek after taking that extra shift with Mika and Kreider. And then Panarin got an opportunity with Mika and Kreider as well. And then Wheeler was back with Mika and Kreider. So a little bit of a revolving door uh, within this game and really within the last couple of seasons in general, uh, that top line right wing spot there. Um, but the other kind of subplot from this whole thing is that Brandon Hoffman wasn't playing much at all in the second period. He had precious few shifts to work with. Um, I don't think he got on the ice for the first six or seven minutes of the second period. And I don't think that it's really that he was doing anything egregiously wrong. The thing is, he was very noticeable in his debut against the Blackhawks, but that's also against the Blackhawks, who are probably the worst team in hockey. They're, they're certainly in the conversation. Um, and then in these last couple of games, he hasn't played that much. So he was sent down. And I, I think, you know, I kind of had the instinct today, this morning, that I feel like sooner or later we're going to see one of those tweets from the Rangers where uh, we've sent Brandon Hoffman back to the Hartford Wolfpack, and indeed that's what happened. Um, they just don't really seem to have a role for him right now. And I think in a lot of ways, this was kind of just a trial run. You know, it might be a situation where Capo Caco is about to come back, and they knew that, but okay, Pitlick's hurt. Caco is eventually coming back in the not-too-distant future here. We've got like a two, three, four-game window here uh, between now and the time that Caco returns, if Caco is indeed returning for the next one, which certainly seems possible, um, where we can throw Brian Offman out there, give him a little bit of a taste of NHL action, and basically give him the Will Cooley treatment. If you guys remember, Will Cooley was up, I believe it was only for four games last year. In this case, uh, Brian Offman only up for three games. And a lot of people were upset when Cooley got sent down last year, and I would have liked to see him get a little bit more run. I'd like to see Offman get a little bit more run, but... It worked with Cooley. You know, he got a little bit of a taste of NHL action last year. And this year, been a very consistent, very steady player uh, for the Rangers. Just looks at home, uh, looks completely the part of an NHL player. And uh, somebody that's, you know, putting together a really nice rookie season for himself. So hopefully that happens with Othman. If this is it for him this season with the Rangers, 
Um, hopefully he's back up here next year and he's a contributing member of this team. Also possible we end up seeing often uh, a little bit later this season. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes there. But yeah, I mean, the, these line combinations that they went with, again, it worked initially. I thought the Rangers had a lot of energy, a lot of jump. It seems like they were taking the challenge in stride to basically pick up their game. Um, you had Trubo almost scored. He took a shot. The save was made. Got his own rebound. Uh, save was made there. Uh, Thatcher Demko, by the way, having a really nice season for the Canucks, and he obviously uh, was very much on his game in this one as well. Uh, you also had Mika taking a shot from the blue line. Um, there was a deflection in front by Lafreniere, I believe it was, and the save was made. Uh, Lafreniere was unable to get to the rebound, but again, a good start in the second period. Then there was a little bit of a hiccup here, and this kind of goes back to some of the mistakes the Rangers are making. I don't know when this play got into the Ranger playbook, but they can't get rid of it soon enough. So the last couple of games, there have been a couple of instances, and it's always like on the same side of the ice and and like the same like end of the rink as well. It's always like if, if you're looking from the hard camera, right? It's on the far side where the benches are and on the left side um, of the rink. But we've seen the Rangers a couple of times try this really dangerous, uh, low or um, high risk, low reward outlet pass where they're basically just throwing the puck across the center of the ice. Tonight, it was Kreider. Kreider tried that cross-ice outlet pass that for some reason is creeping into the Ranger playbook. And like I said, they can't get rid of this play uh, soon enough. The Rangers have to stop doing this. This almost led to a goal after Kreider gave the puck away here. And the last game, we saw both Panarin and VZ, guys that typically know better, guys that are typically smart players. I know Panarin every now and then. He'll get a little bit loose with the puck and you know try a no-look pass to nobody. I mean, that does happen every once in a while. But you rarely see him put the Rangers in a bad situation defensively. And we've seen the Rangers do this multiple times. And unfortunately, in none of these instances has it led to a goal. But man, you are really really playing with fire with this play, even if you complete the pass. I mean, okay, you're moving up the ice a little bit, but the guy who receives the pass is going to get it like at his own blue line. You don't even know for sure if you're going to get into the attacking zone if you complete this pass. And if you don't complete it and it gets intercepted, guaranteed gray scoring opportunity uh, for the opposition. So uh, they got to get away from that. I I, I cannot stress that enough. Um, but bottom line, it didn't hurt them here. And then you had uh, the Rangers cutting the lead down to three or two, a goal by Artemi Panarin, his 26th goal of the season. Uh, excellent play by Lafreniere. Uh, he makes a strong defensive play at the Ranger blue line. He really anticipated the pass here, got his stick in the right spot to steal it, came away with it clean, skated up the ice, gained the blue line on the right side. Uh, there was a defender cutting over to stop him, and so he kind of circles back, finds Panarin, and then Panarin is actually kind of, you know, his momentum is kind of taking him away from the goal and actually to a more difficult angle than he was in when he first received the pass, but when you're Artemi Panarin, that doesn't really matter. You can still snipe a corner, and that's exactly what he did here. And again, big-time goal, big-time play by Lafreniere, uh, big-time you know moment for Panarin as well, getting the Rangers back into the game, cutting it down uh, to 3-2. to two. And it wasn't long after this that Panarin, that's kind of when the double shifting began, and he was out there with Mika and Kreider as the Rangers were looking for you know, the equalizer. Um, we also had in this stretch here Igor Shosturkin's best save of the night. Uh, you had Miller to Besser on the rush, and Igor basically... Initially, I thought he got a piece of it with his glove, but you watch the replay. He actually lifted his left leg off of the ice and got just a piece of it with his pad there. Um, Rangers go the other way. Truba almost gets a tipping goal that would have tied it. Uh, the Canucks went back the other way. So you're getting a little bit more maybe up and down hockey than you might like if you're um, you know, a member of the Ranger coaching staff. But nevertheless, the Rangers are still playing better at this point. And then, of course, the second period wraps up with the Canucks scoring uh, their second round of back-to-back -back goals. So just like that. You know, 3-2, you're feeling good, getting back into the game, a lot of game left, 
and you give up two goals very quickly, and it's five to two, and now you're in a hole again, and um, quite the hole to dig out of. And of course, the Rangers did score fairly early in the third period, cut it down to five three. It stayed five three for a long time. Canucks eventually got the empty netter. Um, but again, you know, you make mistakes like this, you're you're just digging a hole, and um, you know, against a good team like this, you're not going to be able to climb out of it very often, and uh, that's what we saw. So. You know, that, that's pretty much my thoughts as far as the line combinations uh, are concerned. You know, I thought they kind of sparked the team for a little bit there, but then, you know, everything just kind of got away from them because they went right back to giving up the the quick goals. So um, that just cannot continue going forward. Um, also, you know, the other thing I mentioned, Offman, he is sent down, and that could mean that Capo Caco is potentially coming back. So we're going to talk about that and what Caco could bring to this lineup uh, if and when he gets back in the lineup, possibly as soon as this Thursday against the Blues. We will get to that fun stuff here in just a second. First, though, we definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Jason Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk for just a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amixicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That is scary. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off of your order. All right, let's go ahead and keep everything rolling here. I figure we can uh, wrap up today's episode by talking a little bit about uh, the absence of Capo Caco and his uh, hopefully impending return. It, it does seem like progress is being made. You hear uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, whenever it was, that he's skating now. Okay, this is good. You know, step in the right direction. And he's now out there practicing. He is still wearing uh, the red no-contact jersey. Um, but according to Peter Laviolette, uh, he had a quote where he said, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said that, you know, his jersey color is going to change pretty soon. That That's what they're anticipating. So it sounds like Kako inching closer and closer to getting cleared. Obviously, it was unfortunate when he got hurt. Uh, his season in general was just off to a rough start, at least offensively. Um, but I do want to uh, give him some credit for uh, being a really strong defensive forward for this Ranger team early in the season. And the numbers back it up. The, the Ranger numbers, some of them that they put up before Kako got injured compared to what they've done since he got injured, they will back up the fact that he does make an impact on this team. He is a really strong defensive forward. Now, all these stats I'm about to share, they're not all trending in one direction or another just because Capo Caco is playing or is not playing. I think in general, the Rangers defense has just been a little bit leaky recently. You've got guys kind of reaching for pucks instead of taking the body. I don't know that structurally they've been as good as they were earlier in the season. So those are all factors as well. Even the penalty kill, you know, I I don't have their numbers in front of me and they still do have a top 10 penalty kill in the league, but the Rangers giving up power play goals is not right now as much of a rarity as certainly it was uh, earlier in the season when the Rangers were rolling and basically just every night. Um, so let's uh, go ahead and dive into these Caco numbers. And, and as for Filipito, because the two of them are kind of linked together, part of the kid line and everything. And um, obviously the two notable names that are out of the Ranger lineup, there's still no real update. Uh, I can't even begin to guess if or when he returns this season. 
Uh, seems like it's pretty much touch and go. And obviously we hope everything is okay with Filipino and fingers crossed that he can come back at some point if he is uh, clear to do so. But Kako is the one, again, that it, it sounds like sooner rather than later, he will be back in the Ranger lineup. But, you know, for anybody doubting his importance to this team, I know there's going to be some people that kind of like roll their eyes and say, oh yeah, Kako is going to fix everything with his three points in 20 games. Yeah, I hear you. I get it. They do need to get more out of him offensively. Uh, but when you look at uh, some of these numbers here that I'm going to share before the Capo Caco injury and after the Capo Caco injury, first of all, the team record. Before Caco got injured, Raiders were 15-4-1. After he got injured, 11-7-1. In terms of goals four for the Raiders, before the injury, the Caco injury, the Raiders were at 3.30 goals per game, 14th in the league. Uh, since then, now this is the one stat where they've actually improved. They've gone slightly up to 3.42 goals per game. Uh, which is 10th in the league. So a little bit of an actual improvement there, if we're being completely fair. But then you look at uh, the numbers as far as Rangers goals allowed before Kako was hurt versus after he was hurt. So before Kako was allowed, or <laughs> before Kako before Kako was injured, the Rangers and goals allowed, they were giving up 2.45 goals per game. That was good for number three in the NHL. Since Capo Kako got injured, they are giving up 3.21 goals per game. So a difference of about 0.8 goals per game. And instead of being third in the league as they were before he was hurt, uh, since the injury, they are 18th in the league in goals allowed per game. And again, he's not the only factor there. You know, goaltender play has something to do with that. We had uh, that stretch where Jonathan Quick was basically in God mode. And again, the Rangers structurally as a team were better. But still, these are noticeable numbers. And it does seem like since Kako got hurt, we can debate how much of it has to do with Kako and how much of it is just the team in general, but they are not as good of a defensive team. And I think Kako has at least a little bit to do with that. Um, I, I think, you know, most would probably agree there. As far as uh, the penalty kill, they've fallen off a little bit there as well. Now, Kako is not somebody that is like a go-to penalty killer, but he's somebody that you can put out there if you need to. Uh, they were at 86.2% on the PK before he got hurt, six in the league. And since then, uh, 82% on the PK, down to 10th in the league uh, in the time that the Kako has not been there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's um, the big one to me, of course, is the goals against. You know, that has really taken a hit uh, since Kako had his injury. But as far as, like, how the Rangers could deploy Kako or uh, what to expect from him coming back, I touched on this briefly a little bit earlier in today's episode. But initially, I figured, okay, Kako's missed some serious time here. How long has he been out now? Like, a couple of months, basically. So, he comes back. Let's kind of ease him back into things, maybe limit his ice time, at least in the first game back. You don't have to baby him for the whole season. Um, but, you know, the first game back, let's kind of take it easy on his ice time, make sure he doesn't re-injure himself, get him back into the swing of things, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe put him on the third line uh, to start his return to the lineup. Now, though, with the Rangers, you know, struggling for secondary scoring and not really trusting Blake Wheeler fully to be that top line right wing guy. And I, I think for good reason, you know, Wheeler got hot for a while there, but he's cooled off quite a bit recently. I think there's a decent chance that when Kako gets back, no later than the second game, but possibly as early as the first game, you might see the Rangers throw Capo Kako out there on that first line with Mika and Kreider. And something else to consider here, because I know a lot of people who are, you know, not maybe the biggest fans of Kako, or you're just kind of down on Kako in general. Yes, he did not do a whole lot offensively to start the season. But let's also keep in mind, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, both of them are not exactly strangers to having slow starts to the season. And I think, obviously, you know they, they were scoring on the power play here and there to start the year. But 5v5, they just did not have their A game. They just did not have that uh, explosiveness. 
They've both picked it up a lot recently, and they seem like they've found their A game, and they've got it rolling. So maybe Capo Caco, you know, with a, a fully charged, uh, you know, a Mika Sabanjad and a Chris Kreider, they're playing at the top of their capabilities. Maybe that helps Capo Caco a little bit, and maybe he helps them a little bit. You know, it's a little bit of, ta- of uh, you know, give and take there. Um, and again, I, I know there will be some people when, when I'm talking about Capo Caco and getting him back in the lineup and, and being excited about that, because I am excited to see him get back out there again or a shot at it this season. I talked not that long ago about how maybe the injury is a blessing in disguise, slow start to the season. He can come back, start fresh, line in the sand. Obviously, his offensive numbers are not going to be at the end of the year what he was probably hoping for them to be. So you just kind of let go of it. You get back in there and you do what you can to help your team win. Um, but yeah, again, there's going to be some people that will roll their eyes a little bit and say, oh yeah, the, the three points. Yeah. Kako's really going to save the day here. Right. But Capo Kako undoubtedly being in the lineup makes his team better. Again, we can debate how much better, but unless there's like some serious Tyler Pitlick truthers out there that just, uh, want him in the lineup every single night. And I've got nothing against Pitlick, but Capo Kako is certainly a better player than Pitlick. Uh, Capo Kako being back out there, he is going to help this team. And it's entirely possible that he ends up being, uh, the guy on that top line right wing. It's possible that it ends up being somebody else on the Rangers. It's possible that the top line right winger is not even on this team yet. Maybe they trade for somebody at or near the deadline, but Capo Caco is going to give them, uh, you know, another option there. See a length in the lineup a little bit. And um, I, I think he's going to make a, you know, a solid impact on this team uh, when he's back out there. You know, the, the Rangers could use a little bit of a spark right now because they've basically been playing since that unbelievable start to the season. They've basically been playing, uh, you know, a little bit better than 500 hockey since then. A little bit up and down on a night-to-night basis. And uh, now for just the second time all season, losing two consecutive games. So maybe Capo Caco, I mean, what what a spark that would be. What a fun moment that would be uh, for the team, for us as fans, if uh, Caco gets back out there first night back and like scores a goal out there with Mika and Kreider. That, there would be kind of like a here we go, we're back kind of a feeling. I don't think the Rangers really... Like that, that's kind of like a buzz term you see thrown around when, when a team is down a little bit and they have a big win. It's like, oh, we're back. We, we don't even need to say we're back. I don't I don't think the Rangers have really gone anywhere. Um, Yes, they have not been as dominant recently as they were at the start of the season, but nobody was going to maintain uh, that kind of a, uh, a pace for the entire season. So it's just going to be nice. Bottom line, it's going to be nice to see Capo Caco get back out there and hopefully uh, he can lengthen the lineup a little bit, play strong defensive hockey, and hopefully pick it up off offensively as well and maybe even be the solution, the uh, long-term solution, the short-term solution to top-line right wing on the Rangers. Because God knows they've tried a lot of different players over the past couple of years. Um, That's pretty much it for today, though. Uh, The only other thing I want to mention was the Rangers' upcoming schedule. They are going to be back in action on Thursday in St. Louis against the Blues. Blues have been playing a lot better recently. Uh, They've gone 7-3 in their last 10. And they are actually right now looking at the standings. They are in a three-way tie for the last playoff spot in the Western Conference. So you have to believe uh, they've been playing well recently. They're surging a little bit, kind of a desperate team. I mean, it's not like super late in the season, but all these points are big, especially when you're kind of a fringe playoff team. Rangers got to be ready for that, and they got to match that desperation and that urgency that the Blues are probably going to bring to the Garden on Thursday. And the Rangers also have, it's going to be a tough, tough weekend for the Rangers. Back-to-back, home and away against the Caps. They are at the Caps on Saturday, home against the Caps on Sunday. Both the games start at 1 p.m., Caps have slipped a little bit. They're down to number six in the Metro division. Haven't played as well recently, but it's Rangers caps. 
It's always uh, just a complete battle between these two teams. I don't expect anything different, uh, regardless of how either team is uh, performing, you know, heading into that game. And of course, they've split their last two matchups earlier this season. So the rubber match, we'll see how it goes there. Or rubber matches, I suppose. Um, but yeah, uh, I figure we can pretty much call it there for today as, as far as uh, today's episode. Uh, thank you guys, as always, so much for tuning in. If you guys would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.